Scrupulosity on this edition of Truth and Love. Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I'm delighted to have with me Brent Osterberg. He has served as a pastor at Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas, since 2015. He received his bachelor's degree from Sam Houston State University and an MDiv from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and the DMIN degree in expository preaching from the Master's Seminary. He's been an ACBC certified counselor since 2009, and he serves with the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship, which is a training center of ours in the DFW area. He's been married to Carrie for 20 years, and they have three children. Brent, I'm so delighted for you to be here to talk about this, this topic, which is growing in popularity. So thank you, brother, for joining us. It's a pleasure to be on today, Dale. Thanks. Now, when some folks, Brent, heard the title of today's podcast, they probably had to rewind that and, and listen to that again. Scrupulosity, what in the world is that? It's a term that many people probably are not familiar with. So what exactly are we, we referring to when we use this term scrupulosity? Well, well some people refer to scrup- scrupulosity as religious OCD. We tend to think about OCD and, and we're, we're thinking of people washing their hands repeatedly, straightening things, uh, uh, being intolerant of disorder or germs and, and uncleanliness. But scrupulosity, think scruples, right? Uh, the word scruples uh, in there. But Michael Emlet has called it a tender conscience on steroids. And so it deals more with issues, not of cleanliness and orderliness, but of issues related to right and wrong or sinfulness and holiness. That tends to be the focus. It it starts with an obsessive thought that provokes fear in a person. Have I sinned in some certain way? Am I the kind of person that would choose to do such awful things? Uh, What would happen if I neglected this responsibility? And this thought feels relentless and tormenting to the person. So the person seeks relief through a a compulsion, disarms the obsession, but only in a temporary way, very temporary way, uh, before the cycle starts all over again. And those compulsions can be related to the obsession itself, but it's not always the case. There's uh, compulsions uh, related to scrupulosity. could be ritualistic confession of sin, uh, morbid introspection, avoidance of places where there's potential temptation, uh, checking and uh, incessant research. And so Christians contend toward this kind of OCD, especially considering that many of us have been thought, we've been taught that the evils of sin need to be put off and need to be repented of and put to death urgently. So while this is right and good, the person who struggles with scrupulosity capitalizes on that truth of putting sin to death to the neglect of other realities in Scripture. Yeah, I, I think, man, that's really well said. We're, we're definitely not saying that we, we shouldn't put off. However, there are uh, equal truths that we have to hold solidly in our hands. And that tends to happen, right? So we, we find ourselves off kilter when we overemphasize certain things to the underemphasis of other 
glorious truths in Scripture. Now, Brent, it's uh, really interesting you, you talk about this as a, a tender conscience. I think that's one of the better descriptions that folks will find, not necessarily in a negative way. We want to have a tender conscience before the Lord, but this is something that, that begins to rule the heart in a certain way. And you've actually had some personal experience with this. Your story is a little bit related to this particular problem. I, I want you to tell us about that journey that you've personally been on seeking to understand you know, how God's Word speaks to this kind of fear and this kind of tender conscience. Absolutely. It was about 10 years ago for me that I began struggling in earnest uh, with this type of fear. I began experiencing obsessive thoughts about things like whether or not I had uh, hit somebody with my car when I felt a bump. You know, I could hit um, a, even something like a speed bump or a pothole or, or a curb and and just have this tormenting thought that I had hit somebody and injured them. And, and these um, graphic intrusive thoughts uh, in my mind of, of a person uh, lying there in the street. And so um, there would be this, this compulsion to check, is there somebody actually there? You know, so I would make the block and go and, and have to assuage, you know, that obsessive thought, or at least I felt like I needed. And I, or I would, um, have a, that obsessive thoughts that I had lied to somebody, that I, I did not represent the truth accurately, that I didn't tell them everything that I could have told them about a particular instance, and that made me a liar. Or just because I sensed in my heart a a desire to sen- to you know paint myself in a certain light or to save face, that that meant that I had lied to them in order to make myself look good, and so that kind of is something that's, I think, instructive when it comes to this particular sin struggle. Uh, There's a tendency with this sin to equate desire or thought with performance. I thought I desire it. Therefore, I have performed it on the outside. And you can see why somebody would get to that place when we have texts of scripture like Matthew 5, 27 and 28, which talk about adultery and lust being adultery of the heart. And so a person struggling with scrupulosity or that tendency can take that verse too far and think that that desire means I've actually done something on the outside. And so a compulsion with things like this might be more of an introspection. It's plumbing the depths of the heart to prove that I'm not that kind of person, that I don't do those kinds of things. I'm also obsessed over the thought of offending people with my words, whether um, Uh, Feeling anger in my heart meant to me that I had actually said something that was curt to them, or maybe I joked with them and I went too far. And so there would be this desire for certainty about those things. I was fearful that I had offended them somehow in conversation. And in those cases, the compulsion looked like going to that person and, and asking that person if I'd offended them, asking forgiveness of that person just in case I actually sinned. Right. So that's maybe a tendency as well is is trying to deal with the sin and not really sure if there's actually been sin. But I'm going to ask forgiveness just in case, just in case. So I was I was in a dark place for a while, uh, turning inward with this problem. I was trusting myself to assess my own heart and then trusting myself to come up with a remedy in the form of some compulsion. But uh, at the time, I didn't really realize exactly what I was doing, but I, I knew it wasn't helping. Helping, I was committed to the sufficiency of scripture and biblical counseling. So I knew I needed to decrease 
and Christ needed to increase in my heart. And so we were actually, as a family out in California for the summer, doing some church planning training, uh, Grace Community Church. And um, it was, uh, I was away from my, my church family. And so that was also kind of a recipe for hardship in that regard, whenever this kind of started for me. So what I need to do and what I, I felt like needed to happen was in order to get my mind on Christ, where I was exalting him instead of uh, concentrating on my own heart and assessing my my heart my way and for you know my own appeasement, I took a just a stack of three by five cards. And I started writing scripture on each of those cards and quotations um, from good biblical counseling books. And whenever I would struggle with an obsessive thought or experience an intrusive thought, I would just start going through those three by five cards. I'd think deeply about that truth and pray through it and have it be something that was wearing a, a path in my at the time. A brother of of mine, another ACBC counselor, uh, Jason Cruz, um, shared a verse with me that became very, very instructive and one I continue to turn to today. And it's Psalm 119, 59 and 60. The psalmist writes, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. And so with morbid introspection being a kind of compulsion and the tendency to want to just dwell and spin my wheels thinking about why I'm not as bad as I I perhaps am tempted to think I am, I needed to turn quickly to God's word and turn quickly to obeying, not just thinking about his word, but obeying his word as well. And that became uh, a lifeline for me. Well, thanks, first of all, for for being so transparent and sharing a little bit about that story. And I'm certain that there are so many listeners that are resonating with exactly what you're describing because uh, you can see the subtlety in the deception where some good desires, well, I, obviously we don't want to hurt somebody, sin against somebody. We, we don't want to, you know, swell in doubts and fears and that tender conscience is is seen as a healthy thing before the Lord in so many ways. But there's a time where one of the distinguishing factors that you just mentioned is thinking that there are things that you have to do in obsessive ways or compulsive ways to overcome those particular things. And that's what we were talking about at the very beginning, where we're not holding truths of Scripture in hand together. So we have to revisit that. Now, before we move on, because we're going to talk a little bit more about this, you've given some of these expressions, uh, particularly in your own life. But what are some of the ways that this idea of scrupulosity can manifest itself in the lives of, of others? Certainly some of the things you mentioned, but maybe there's some other ways as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. It could be that a person struggles with with obsessive thoughts about shouting out obscenities in public, particularly for Christians that may be at at church, the worship service. And by the way, these these intrusive thoughts that a person struggles with, they don't have to have any history with this sin in order to be fearful of it. Uh, They may not be the kind of person who's ever done anything like that, but because they thought it, because it uh, it seems so strong and tormenting a thought. They think I must be capable of it. And so shouting obscenities in public at church and the compulsion may be there avoiding church, avoiding the worship service, avoiding the very means of grace that God used to help us, to draw us out of ourselves to Jesus Christ. And so that could be a compulsion. Another way it might manifest itself in people is if somebody is struck with the thought that they're uh, a perverted person or 
they're a pedophile and that really haunts them. And because they had those even graphic images in their head that they don't want there, they think I must be that kind of person. And so there there can be this, uh, again, this plumbing the depths of the heart, this uh, compulsion of morbid introspection to prove to themselves it's not true. I'm really not that kind of person. And uh, I remember reading a book where um, the author talked about introspection as like basically opening up your eyes to look around in the pitch darkness, going to a cave, you know, the thing at the bottom of caves or shut out the light, then you, you open your eyes and you can't see a single thing. And that's what morbid introspection is like. You're going into your heart. You're going there yourself. You're going there without the gospel. You're going there without Christ and you're opening up your eyes. You can't see anything. And so it's pointless to do such a thing and actually brings you further away from God and your experience. There might be another uh, way that this that shows itself in other people, the intrusive thought of hurting someone, whether through active anger or neglect of safety protocols. Like so there, there tends to be this compulsion of concentrating intensely on their actions when they're around other people so they can remember exactly what they did. I didn't hurt that person. I didn't slap that person, push that person. I did buckle my child's seat belt and thoroughly. I made sure that I was concentrating on what I was doing. I wasn't distracted. And so that could be a compulsion to temporarily relieve that obsessiveness. But again, uh, it comes back with a vengeance later on whenever there's a provocation. Yeah, that's really helpful. And I'm just thinking, man, you know, to, to live with this type of mentality, what a difficult taskmaster, right? And it's it's built sort of in this religiosity, and that's the difficulty of it. Because, you know, again, you can see the flip side and, and why it's difficult. And I I, I want to make sure my child seatbelt is buckled. I, I don't want to hurt somebody and and not think about it, not have a conscience that you know is burdened by legitimate things. And so that's that constant wrestling. And this is how the word is is good in helping to teach us appropriately and the importance of our conscience growing in understanding the word. Talk for just a little bit about some of the distinguishing marks of a person who tends toward this type of sin in their life uh, of scrupulosity. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we can tend to do in this struggle is um, to be selective in what we choose to think about and think about. So we can be selective with our sins. You can tend to think about uh, this one sin that you're particularly afraid of to the neglect of other sins in your life that really your concentration on that sin makes it so that you're sinning in other ways because you're so infatuated with this sin and preventing it in your life. There can also be selectivity when it comes to the Bible. Certainly there are, are scripture texts like um, think of First Peter chapter 1 where we're called to be obedient children and pursuing holiness like our God is holy, right? Be holy for I am holy. And Peter quotes that from the Old Testament, obviously. So the person that is dealing with scrupulous fears is thinking, I must be holy. But then they're forgetting other texts like 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The same book of the Bible, and yet they can tend to focus on those 
commands, those imperatives, to the neglect of indicatives that we have in the Word of God about what Christ has actually done for us and who God is for us. We can be selective about the attributes of God, concentrating on His holiness, His wrath, His justice, to the neglect of His compassion and His grace and His mercy. And we can think about, for instance, you know, Exodus chapter 20, where you hear, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. I mean, you can concentrate on that to the neglect of the next verse, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. And so there can be selectivity on the, the attributes of God and also what's true of the inner man. So, yes, it's true that we still have that Romans 7 reality within us, right? A wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death, Paul says. That's true of us. And the scrupulous person might concentrate on that reality, but then forget that 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so what has been, what, what is true of you now as a Christian, right? Like, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you. You think those kinds of things whenever you're concentrating on the flesh that is still within us and yeah, forgetting that we are uh, new creatures in Christ. We have a new identity because of what he's done for us in Jesus. Yeah, so critical. As we're getting a little long, I want to ask one more question, though, and that'll tee us up, I think. I want to bring you back, Brent, because we need to talk about how we approach this, how we deal with this. But we're, you know, it's important for us to, to make sure we're identifying what's happening in a person first, put it in biblical context so that way we can answer it biblically. I want us to model that, like we're, we're doing that this week, and then next week I'd love to bring you back to, to talk specifically about how we can respond appropriately and biblically to this. The final question I want to ask you, though, as we, we continue to sort out and recognize the Bible speaks about these things and how we can be overcome by, by certain fears, what, what type of idols do you find are usually at the heart of a scrupulous person or, or at the heart of their fears, the things maybe that they treasure? What, what are those types of things? I think my brother, Keith Palmer, got into some of this last year when he was on the podcast, but there certainly is a demand for certainty, a demand for certainty. I must know um, if I am that kind of person, if I've committed that kind of sin. It's an intolerance of any ambiguity in the heart related to these uh, these gray areas of life or anything that is, is unclear about whether or not you have uh, sinned in a particular way. And the person who who struggles with this needs to remember that that God is the one who has omniscience, right? And so 1 Chronicles 28, 9, David's talking to Solomon. He says, the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. That's not us. That's God, not us. There's also at the heart level a demand for control as well. But for us, control is really an illusion, right? We want to control our circumstances so that I can prevent these things from happening, these things I'm so very fearful of. I want to control my life so that I don't get to a place where I commit that sin or um, I think that I've committed that sin that really I, I can't imagine tolerating in my life. And so that person needs to remember that God is the one who's in control, the only one who's in control. You know, in Isaiah 46, he says, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I have spoken, I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. That's only God. And so 
part of this and addressing the heart of a scrupulous person is to to truly be confronted with who God is in contrast to who we are. I would say one more thing, and that is there is a misdirected love at the heart as well. Misdirected love. And really, uh, Keith Palmer and I have talked about this. Those who struggle with this particular sin struggle, that saying to themselves, if I have committed that sin or, or if I'm that kind of person, then I could not live with myself. And so there really is a love of self at the root of this. Like I can't imagine living my life if these things are true. So I've got to prevent it. I've got to control my circumstances. And I've got to make sure I'm not guilty of these things. And so those are some of the things I think that uh, are the, the root of the problem, the idols that we, we struggle with there. Really helpful, Brent. And I, what I want our listeners to, to pay attention to is if we can identify these types of problems in the way the Bible describes them, then, then we're not far off from seeing the beauty of the hope that the Lord offers in helping us deal with these things in a biblically appropriate way, walking in the truth that God has provided. So, Brent, I'm looking forward to you coming back with us next week to talk about some of the particulars, how we can respond appropriately and biblically with these types of issues. Brother, thank you for bearing a little bit of your heart and uh, using the comfort that the Lord has comforted you with to now then comfort others. So thank you for your time. Thank you. You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. I'm so grateful for Brent, his work, not just today on the podcast, but also his work on our new booklet on scrupulosity. This is uh, one of the new additions to our Biblical Solutions series, along with the Abuse Pendulum, Counseling Those Who Have Been Adopted, and Counseling Gender Confused Teens. And I'm so excited about the new additions. And that gets us up to just over 25 booklets. We also added this past year at our annual conference the release of two new booklets in a separate series, our Biblical Evaluation Series on Trauma-Informed Counseling and the Duluth Model. What we're trying to do in that series is to look at different theories and therapies and give a biblical evaluation of those things. I hope those things will be encouraging to you. You can find out more about our new booklets at biblicalcounseling.com. Thank you.